welcome to another episode of Shoot the Takedown with myself, Gostar Rossi, alongside John Hobbs. On this episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing number two ranked Bellator women's featherweight, Arlene Blenko. Arlene, thank you so much for joining us today. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Now, being a proud Australian, um, as you know, it's a bit of a golden era for Australian MMA at the minute. You know, we've got Volkanovski fighting for the title end of the week, yourself doing some great things, uh, you know, Rob Whittaker, crew, you know, the list goes on. Do you think it's as healthy now as it has ever been? Definitely. Um, you know, we, ha- we had our pioneers who paved the way early on um, in the UFC years with um, James Tahuna, Anthony Parosh. Um, but yeah, just the the fighters coming out of Australia now, um, you know, Casey O'Neill, who's an undefeated fighter that's in the UFC, um, Jesse Jess, Megan Anderson, um, myself, Janae Harding. Like, yeah, there's a whole heap of girls that are um, Beck Rawlings that was in, in the UFC. Um, but yeah, like the fact that we've got champions, um, you know, or former champion um, Rob, but Alex, who's fighting this weekend, it's um, it's awesome for I think a lot of the up and coming coming fighters um, to see that you know with hard work and sacrifice and dedication and everything that they too can you know reach the pinnacle of the sport. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's definitely as big as it's ever been, but I think it's it's going to get bigger. Definitely, definitely. And how much have some of these Aussie fighters influenced your career? I know you've previously trained with Alex and obviously he's got the big fight coming up. So from that standpoint, how much has he influenced your career? Uh, Alex is Alex and his team, definitely a lot because, yeah, I class them as teammates. I um, yeah, had the pleasure of doing my Chris Cyborg fight camp down at their gym and um, working and, and just seeing what they do day in and day out. But um just a lot of a lot of the fighters in Australia, like we all, you know, Aussies are we all stand together and you know are proud Aussies just fly the flag, so we all support one another. It doesn't matter where we are in the world, but there's an Aussie fighting on the card where they're backing each other. So um, just seeing you know each individual pe- like person's career, um, you know, and the paths that they're taking, and we're all we're all all they're doing awesome things. Um, so yeah, like even Alex, you know he's defending his title again this weekend. The fact that he was one of the tough coaches, like it's awesome. Um, just to be able to be part of like a part of it all. Yeah, definitely. And how do you see the fight playing out? Obviously, you know, we know who you're backing. Uh, what, <laughs> sort of, um, what sort of problems do you think Ortega brings to the table and how do you think Alex um, goes through them and deals with them? That's the thing. I think Alex just deals with any problem. Like he, um, he's just a workhorse in the gym with a gas tank that I've never seen on any other fighter. Um, he scrambles and he's just work ethic. The way he flows um, and transitions from one thing to the next. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that he'll handle anything that Ortega sort of brings to him. Like his takedown defense, and even the fact that you know when he gets taken down, he scrambles to get back to his feet. So, um, yeah. At the end of the day, though, it is a fight, um, and and Ortega's obviously going to be in there giving it every, everything he can to try and take that title. But yeah, like you said, I'm backing um, Alex, and and I think he's going to be taking that title back home. Yeah, I'll be backing him too for reasons we touched on earlier. You know, having an Australian girlfriend, um, I don't have yeah. enough choice. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I love Alex. I love his game, and you know everything he's done, I, and just how he goes about his business. I think. Um, He's... Oh, well, for, 
definitely. Just well, knowing them on a personal level, you know, he's a family man. He's got his two beautiful daughters, and and just seeing what he's like. You know, Alex will be in the gym. Um, like even for me, he'll be in a fight camp. You know, obviously he's the UFC world champion, so his fight's huge. But every time I'm down there in the gym, he'll always make sure that I leave the mats. He'll um, with some some sort of help that he's given me. Um, he always takes the time to show me things or um, so it, it, he's just a decent guy. Um, he comes so across I'll like always that. be, yeah, yeah. He's um, super humble, and you can't help but like want to see him succeed. Definitely, and um, as an MMA fan, I mean, like you are, I'm really looking forward to the card in general. Are there any other fights you're really looking forward to seeing on that card? Um, I always love watching Shevchenko fight. I think she's um, she's just a. Yeah, just a dominant beast of a woman. <laughs> like her striking is just phenomenal, and then she just adds that wrestling in, and yeah. So, I mean, I, I think again, I don't see anyone in her weight division beating her for a very long time. Um, so yeah, she's always super cool to watch. Yeah, she she is a beast. We actually had um, Olga Rubin on the podcast yesterday, and we uh, Shevchenko came up again, and it's like. Just her skill set, the her relentless nature. You know, it's it's hard to see anyone beat her at that weight, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, she she's definitely brings something new every time you see her as well. I think we're yeah. we're kind of moving into a generation where we're not so much these days talking about oh she's a good female fighter. We're, we're talking about just good fighters. You know, hundred uh, percent. Um, some of the best fights. Yeah. have been the fe- like female fights you know on the main card too so we've definitely come a long way um you know in these years um not just being female fighters you're right there yeah i mean you look at that fight between joanna and uh, waylee i mean that was just uh that was just an insane fight wasn't it i remember just showing mm-hmm. the friends of mine who were into boxing and kickboxing but weren't really in the idea of female fighters showed them that and they were uh, stunned by the by you know the technique and, and ability and and just just the um just completeness of the game you know for, for any for sure you know. my thing with that fight too was even joanna like it went the rounds and she obviously had that huge hematoma on her forehead but she was still focused in in the, the last seconds of the round like it was the first round like it was yeah, insane. That fight will go down in history as one of the best. Um, it'll be hard to be beaten for a long time. Definitely. I think it's amazing when you think how new, um, you know, it is in terms of women's MMA. The progress that's been made in such a short space of time is mind-blowing, frankly. Definitely. Even, like, one of the things I was only touching base with this the other day, like, it's, you know, these – it used to be – a striker versus a wrestler or something, you know, you'd have one dominant, but like for me, for example, I'm a box coming from a boxing background, but you know, these fighters coming through now is not like they specialize in one specific like area of combat. Like they're so mm. well-rounded, like fighters like Shevchenko. Yeah. She's got the striking background, but you wouldn't just call her a striker. Now she's got that wrestling background. She's, you know, she's got the jujitsu. You can see how much everyone's just becoming well-rounded in all aspects of the sport. For sure. For sure. And that, actually leads us on really nicely to the next question in terms of you, you touched on how you were a professional boxer. So how, how exactly did that transition come about from boxing to MMA? 
Just the um, I be- I became a two-time world boxing champion in 2013, um, and there was a a long layoff between fights, and I was just getting a little bit bored with my boxing training and everything. So um, yeah, we decided that we'd introduce a little bit of the grappling and jiu-jitsu as the the Ronda Rousey era. So everyone was sort of like interested in this, you know, females and MMA and this and that. And yeah, before I knew it, I got matched and um, yeah, was fighting and. I'd never stepped foot in a cage before because the gym that I was training at didn't have a cage. But, um, yeah, it was all – it all just happened so quickly. And, like, yeah, before I knew it, I was, you know, um, having these professional MMA fights. And, yeah, it was all a bit of a whirlwind that first year. Um, and then Bellator reached out after um, I got a good win in Canberra. And, yeah, then I was signed to Bellator. And, yeah, the story goes from there. It's a crazy journey. But how would you compare, say – I know it's hard to, for obvious reasons, but, you know, going into the professional boxing environment, I guess you were already quite familiar um, with that sort of world. Whereas first, as you said, first stepping in into a cage in MMA, you, you hadn't even trained in a cage. Was Were the nerves yeah. very different? Uh, you know, mentally, how did you approach it and what was different about oh. the experiences? Yeah, there was probably definitely a lot more nerves because I knew that I wasn't a well-rounded fighter. Like it's, it's, gosh, I've been doing it for almost eight years now, and um, I've only just sort of feel like I'm becoming a more well-rounded fighter now. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of nerves when you can't back your training. As in, um, like with my boxing, I knew I had good hands and and I covered all the bases there. So, um, I when nerves kick in, that's sort of what you fall back on. So when you know that you've got holes in your game, like you have, you know, you need to wrestle more, you need to do more jiu-jitsu and that. So, that it, yeah, it used to play on my mind a lot. Um, but then that's what I used to carry into, you know, my fight camps, knowing that these are these are the things that I was worried about last fight. So these are the things that I'm definitely going to work on even harder moving forward. Awesome. And, um, you know, being able to train out of one of the most respected gyms in the States, worldwide even, um, Jackson Wink, what has this done for your game? You said you've been training for the last eight or so years. And what's it like mixing it with some of these guys and girls on a daily basis? Oh, my gosh. Well, even sparring this morning. So we had I you know, did rounds with Holly Home and Clarissa Shields. And, yeah, you can't get much better than that in, like, as training partners. Um, so it just makes me level up, like, I probably have more bad days than good days, but that's what you want in training camp. Um, you know, you want to be pushed. I've got, you know, training partners here from all over the world, um, guys and girls, and they forced me to level up. And And it showed in my last fight. Like, um, I went in there and I literally it was a walk in the park. My last fight was 10 times easier than any one of my training sessions that I've had here at Jackson Wink. So, yeah, it was like one of the things that I sort of touched base on with the coaches after my fight was like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, that was so much easier than what I'd been doing here in my fight camp. So, And that's what you need. You you want to be pushing yourself so that when it gets to the fight, you fight easy. Like the old saying goes, train hard, fight easy. So, yeah, um, yeah it's it's, um, it's great. Like world-class coaching world-class training partners um i'm literally living breathing sleeping training like the fight fight game <laughs> great stuff great stuff and mm-hmm. um changing tack slightly slightly now um so a hot topic in the sport at the moment um as i'm sure you're aware transgender athletes competing in you know female mma we had a lot on the mclaughlin recently 
Fallon Fox before that. What have you made of the whole situation and the media's coverage of it? Yeah, I, I don't agree with it. Um, I've been pretty vocal on my social media about it, especially like going back um, to the Olympics. There was a New Zealand weight uh, transgender weightlifter competing in the female category, and she um, obviously won. Um, not the Olympics though; she actually didn't um, didn't do too well in the Olympics. But um, yeah, she she got she got the Olympic spot over other New Zealand females um, and yeah I didn't agree with that because obviously she would have been a lot stronger than the females that she competed at again so that's that's one thing competing in weightlifting where you're just lifting a barbell uh, a, a bar but when you're competing in combat sports where it actually is a dangerous sport to begin with like copping punches and kicks from a person that used to be a male um, yeah that, that's when it becomes dangerous so like I've got no issues whatsoever with transgender people or people that don't identify non-binary, whatever, whatever the um, terminology is for it all. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, competing in dancing or any of those sorts of um, sports where you're not going to hurt someone, that's totally fine. I agree with that. But when when your physique, um, your test, former testosterone that you had in your body, like, yeah, it's an advantage that you're going to have over the people that you compete against, and I don't agree in it. No, I definitely agree with you. And it's a bit of a head-scratcher for, you know, fans and I can imagine fighters as well because no one that's in and around the sport thinks it's a good idea. But for some reason, I, I know that, you know, there are two examples I've given, but it seems to be gathering legs. So hopefully it's something that <laughs> doesn't gather any more legs, um, let's say, because yeah. anyone involved, within the sport, journalists, you know, share that same opinion. Yeah. I just, I feel, I hope it's not the promotions that are booking these fights, just trying to get more media coverage and light on their shows because, yeah, it, it's not right. Like, there's men and women that don't believe that they should be in the sport competing against females. Like, you don't see a female that's, like, um being addressed as a male, like going and competing against men in MMA. Like you don't ever see it in the reverse, but you'll see men competing in the women's category or be, becoming a female. So I'm just making sure that I'm being very careful with how I um, address the terms of it. Um, I did cop a little bit of backlash on my social media when I referred to a transgender female as a he. So just I mean, it's all a little bit confusing at the moment. Whatever you say nowadays, you know, someone's going to get offended in some way, shape or form. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you literally can't be... You can't say anything. Like, right, yeah. You can't um, say anything. But, I just think it's dangerous. So like I said, I'm, I'm not by any means against anyone who that wants to be addressed in any way what if, or identify as anything or whatever, but it's just a dangerous thing. And if someone's going to get... I mean, people get really badly hurt as it is in this sport, there's been horrible situations like a young female recently in the boxing world were 18 years old and she died. Like, um, and that's competing against somebody that's a female. So I'd hate to see. And this, the fact is Alana was a quite solid man when she was a man, she was a big man. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. a worry. Um, well, it shouldn't but, take that for it to, uh, for people to, let's say, do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Put it that way. Um, all right. Th thanks for that. Because I know, you know, it can be a, 
strange subject to speak about and sometimes you know certain fighters aren't really willing to engage so i appreciate your honesty on that Um, no that's fine so we'll, we'll move away from that we'll focus a little bit more on sort of yourself so you've obviously had yep. the honor of sharing you know the cage with one of the greatest female fighters in mma chris cyborg now what was that like um and is a matchup like that the kind of experience you feel can take your game to a totally different level for sure um competing against well I've, I've been chasing that fight with chris my whole career um you know fighting someone that's been in that number one position in the world rankings um, ever since i started mma so the fact that i've shared the cage with her and you know what she was a super respectful woman um after the fight and you know her coaching stuff and this and that so yeah it definitely was an honor to share the cage with her um this next step for me now like after obviously losing was for me to come here to jackson wink and and step up my training so you know, I'm doing everything in my power now to get the opportunity to fight her again and um, obviously have a different result next time. Great stuff. And you've obviously done a great job of, uh, you know, representing combat sports throughout your career, holding various records in Bellator, as well as coming very close to winning the title even. Um, so what does the future hold? Do you have your sights firmly set on that title shot? Yeah, I've, I've got a, a handful of goals that I want to achieve before the end of my career. Um, definitely the um, Bellator Featherweight World title, um, that's high up on my list. But, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I definitely want to get back into the boxing ring too, um, you know, win a few more boxing world titles. But, yeah, for me at the moment too, it's just enjoying this journey. Um, you know, I'm at the later part of my career. Um, I'm not putting a, an end date on it, but I do – um, acknowledge that you know this is not going to go for like crazy amounts too much it's not like I'm in my 20s anyway so for me it's just making sure that I make the most of these opportunities and enjoy what I'm doing because you know in 10 years time I'll look back on these moments and be like damn they were the best you know best years of my life like why didn't I enjoy it more or you know appreciate the, the little things a little bit more so that's where my head's at the moment and I think when you're enjoying what you're doing that's when you see the great like the biggest success yeah, sound, sounds pretty sensible to me. And do you have a date and opponent for your next outing? Um, I do have a date. It's an unofficial date. Um, so uh, let's just say I'm in the first week of fight camp and I like to do, you know, sort of between six to ten weeks. <laughs> so, so without giving anything away and getting into trouble, but I'll be okay. in the Bellator cage before the end of the year. <laughs> we'll do the maths. I'll, I'll sit here with my yeah, cup yeah. and just work that out. <laughs> Um, um, so it would be probably end of the year, and so you said you. Yeah, know. yeah, it'll be the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and I'll be home. The plan is I get to fight, and I'll be definitely home before Christmas. So, timing. If um, all goes to plan, then that's yeah. what I'll. That's great, and I know you spoke a bit about your goals, and this actually leads us quite well into the next question because you know going back home. Now, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, um, have Bellator ever staged an event in Australia? Um, has that ever happened? No. Yeah. So, no, they haven't yet. There is talk of it, and there's, you know, the ops team keeps speaking about it, and that was that was actually my biggest goal, like, um, you know, obviously winning the world title, and I wanted to be the person that brought the Bellator show back to Australia so I could defend it, but, um, you know, didn't go to plan, so here I am. I'll just keep fighting in America. It's always a nice excuse to get away, but I'd love to be able to fight in front of a home crowd um yeah and fly like i'm a proud australian and i flag that fly um 
fly that flag proudly each fight so it'd be no better experience to be able to do that like you know in sydney itself that'd be awesome have you spoken to to the management about it? I, I know obviously the last couple of years has been hard to fly anywhere let alone to yeah. australia but um is that something you've discussed with the team at all is yeah. you know saying there's something they're looking to do and so it's something that could happen in the next year couple of years or so i think so i um you know that they're in europe at the moment they did that show in japan but you know they've got shows in russia um the uk that um, they've got a show next week in the uk yeah. so i think um like it's it's quite a big um effort to you know get the production team over and get it going but i definitely think you'll see like i, I really hope that i get to be one of the fighters um before my career's ended you know to to fight in the bellator cage otherwise you might see me come out of retirement because i definitely be definitely want to be on that card so yeah, um you can't miss an yeah i think like you said though covid makes things a little bit hard at the moment um so and then, gosh I, I can't even get home to australia at the moment let alone bellator taking a whole production team over there so <laughs> one for the future hopefully and um yeah last one from me before i hand over to john um something we touched on briefly earlier you know you're obviously still active and vying for a championship but do you ever think about what you may do when you eventually retire you you touched on maybe doing a bit more boxing can you see yourself coaching as well um have you are you starting to think about that um I don't think I'll ever be a coach. Um, I think that there's a lot of great coaches out there and um, that's like an avenue for other people. I'd like to touch base on, um, you know, management, um, even just being the liaison to make sure that um, fighters get aligned with the right people. Like I know that early on in my career I – you know, I didn't have the right team of people around me. So just making sure that you cover all the bases, you know, having a proper nutritionist on board, getting your recovery on board, um, you know, avenues for sponsorship. Like there's just a, a lot that fighters get left to have to deal with early on. And I think if you can cover those bases correctly early in your career, um, like just help them in that aspect. The mental side of it, um, I've done a lot of mental preparation um, since my Julia fight in 2017. Um and that's a big, big avenue. Like you, like I train day in, day out, six days a week. But you know, up until the last four years, I wasn't doing any mental preparation, and and that was what was hindering a lot of my performances. You'd get to a fight and you hadn't mentally prepared for the situation. So that's something that I like to be involved in, um, mentoring. Um, but yeah, just I'll definitely always be within the fight world. Um, I definitely like to do some commentating as well. I just don't think I'd be a coach as such. Well, it's interesting because it is a very new sport. And a lot of the things you touched on, uh, you know, early on and even up to this point aren't always thought about. Um, we actually had Matt Dodge on, who is part of a sports management company. They've got quite a few MMA fights on their books. And it was interesting just to get his perspective on, you know, managing what what it takes day-to-day management of fighter, you know, the finances, everything else that has to be yep. looked after, which unless you're a fighter, you don't think about, right? Um, and, you know, yeah, us fans, yep. we don't see that side to it. 
Well, I, I even think it's like that next step, not even necessarily the management. Like I actually wanted to get into management as well, but even the next step closer to a fighter, it's almost like a PA for a fighter because, yeah, like, I mean, I know that my manager doesn't deal with my nutrition and, and my recovery, but like just even that, making sure that your weekly schedule, I, I know that my strength and conditioning coach back at home, me, Orny from Ethos Performance, he touches base on it um, just out of um, – being thorough with me as an athlete but just making sure that my weekly schedule like I'm on top he's always questioning me about my nutrition about my recovery about my sleep about you know my mental state just yeah and that goes a long way with a fighter um especially coming into the fight week itself is you know making sure that you've ticked all the bases so um but yeah just that one step closer to a fighter than the manager itself thank you so much for that and um at this point we'll bring in john who has a couple more questions as well thank you arlene Actually, no worries thank you that, that's some great answers there i'm just going to go back to that last one actually because that, that sort of, uh, sparked something in me when you were talking about that about getting sort of closer to the fighters but not on a like a business management more like a personal management. yeah yep, yep. I'm a um, physical therapist by, by profession by background so i also also teach and and I teach for a lot of uh, sporting organisations and, and teams and things. And I'm always talking about the importance of sleep, recovery, nutrition, digestion, yep. all the other things that are just outside the, you know, the technical aspects of the game, whatever the game is. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that the athletes have got challenges now is because all those things are accepted um, components of of performance. Um, it's it's difficult to, I think. Cerebrally manage all those, isn't it? You know, you've got so well, many things to manage, haven't you? Well, for sure. Even for me, um, like, gosh, normally back home when I'm in Australia, I'm working, like, I'm a mentor for teens, I'm a mother of two kids, I'm a partner. Um, you know, up until the cyborg fight, I was working a full time job. So, me trying to fit it all in was just like, gosh, I was juggling. But I, and I had to rely on a diary. And I'm a pretty organized person. The fact that I am, like, you know, a female and I'm older and, you know, I'm a mum anyway, so I've got to be that sort of person. But I just, especially being here, I'm seeing all, you know, these 20-year-olds and I'm watching them going into fight week and I'm asking them, you know, questions about their water loading, this and that, and it's, they're literally, a lot of them are just winging it. Um, And I was like, oh, I just, I think there's a real room for it. Um, Because, yeah, you've got your coach that you spend so many hours with, um, each day training technically but it's not their job to look after all of the outside stuff and you know as a fighter too you get the to the end of the training day and sometimes you're like oh just too tired to do anything else or it's just easier to order takeaway because i can't be bothered to cook a healthy meal or there's yeah there's a lot of uh, in them the recovery even me trying to get in with you guys like look how long it's taken me to like you know set a, a day for me to even just organize a podcast so yeah, it's just having that person that can just organise your time and make sure that you're making the most of each week and um, covering all the bases. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you hit that spot on and it's getting more and more so with all the media and so on involved. And, um, yep. you know, um, I, as, um, as Costas um, alluded to when he was talking about uh, Matt Dodge, you know, Matt was talking about um, ethics, relationships and all those things as well, not just... So the cash money business, he was talking about, you know, building lifelong relationships with people where you can support them and guide them. And, you know, if you have a good relationship, yeah. that goes on throughout a career and beyond. Yeah. I know there's a couple of fighters here that literally bring people in. And I was sort of sitting back thinking, like, what does this person do? Like, it just <laughs> it seems like a pointless. But then I realised that they're, 
the, the person that they can bounce off after a training session. And I just think that person is really interesting to then that they can, you know, speak to the coaches or speak to the manager and, and let them both know, you know, how the fighters go. So the fighter can literally, uh, and you know what, my partner actually does that for me on fight week. He flies in and he'll look after, I actually, when we leave Australia before I was training here at Jackson Winks, I'd, um, I'd get to the airport. I wouldn't even know what airline, cause I, I could mentally just switch off from, being a human and he would get me to the flight he'd check us in he'd look after all my nutrition fight week he'd look after all everything that i had to do on the bellator side of things like he'd you know walk with me to each of my media commitments and this and that and i wouldn't even have to think about what was on he'd just be like all right we've got to go here now or okay this is when you got to do your training now and he it's time to eat this meal like so it, it helps so he literally does that fight week and it um it helps me probably, more, you know, even cutting weight. He's like, all right, this is what you're weighing at this time. So by this time you've got to come down. Like he covers it all and that's just, well, he's my partner. But it, it helps a lot as a fighter. I appreciate it more than anything fight week. <laughs> well, I, I think that's huge. I think unfortunately he's probably going to slap you with a really big bill for that at some point because it's very valuable. But uh, <laughs> no, he loves you. So it's worth it. But I think it's it's hugely underestimated. Um, I know um, – uh, I've worked with a, um, a very famous uh, businessman in, in, in the UK, which, which I'm not going to name because some people might know who he is, but um, he's got a PA and his PA has a PA. So his personal PA is his kind of like sounding board. She's been with him for, for you know, 10, 15 years. So she's more than a, a PA. She's, you know, the person who arranges all the intimate yep. stuff around him. Um, all the other business things, like business meetings, flights, and things like that, she she has a PA that organises those things. She's almost like yeah. like an extension of him, so he hasn't got to yeah. worry about all those other things, which is exactly yeah. what your your partner's doing for you. There's um, doing all those things and buffering all that other stuff that would only just interfere with your with your mindset and your yeah, yeah. I literally just focus on fight week and. Will relax and and yeah, it goes a long way. But yeah, just trying to uh, so talk, answering the question from before, like life after fighting, just yeah, bundling that sort of idea into helping fighters. Not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily a lot of fighters too. Like, um, I'm sure I'll work something out. <laughs> it's almost like um, almost like a concierge sort of uh, service for fighters, isn't it? In, in yeah take care of all the things and, and liaise between those other those other contacts to create that that continuity almost like the yeah holds it all together really mm-hmm. a good idea i think i might go away and market that now you've, you've mentioned that <laughs> <laughs> well unfortunately if you wanted to be like i mean i guess the high level fighters of the ufc people like conor mcgregor who is making millions and <laughs> Um, but unfortunately for a lot of the lower level fighters that probably need it more than anything, um, yeah, you probably wouldn't be able to make too much money from the, from it. Mm. You'd have to do it out of sheer love and passion for the, for the yeah. sport and the people involved. As a, um, as a physical therapist, I've, I've been treating fighters for years and they, they normally haven't got two pennies to rub together. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because people are making bad decisions around them. So, uh, that's why, that's why they need that help. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, sticking with the whole um, uh, fight game still, obviously, um, wanted to ask you, um, you know, women's MMA is 
you know, increased profile significantly. I mean, the last few years, but obviously the last decade, it's really been growing. Well, it's really come from nowhere. Um, uh, wh what do you think are the key milestones that have changed the trajectory of women's MMI? Anything that stands out for you in particular? Um, well, I never, I didn't pay too much attention. It was the thing, there's female boxing's been around for years and that's where I started, but um, it literally, female in combat sports gained the most recognition in the Ronda Rousey era like she was the person that I mean gosh it wasn't what was it nine years ago Dana White said that a female would never headline a UFC card well look where we are now um so yeah she was definitely the person that that put us up there to be recognized and um you know people always ask me questions um you know my opinion on you know her and you know having left for WWE and this and that and I'm thinking like she made all the right steps and we have to all be very, as females, have to be very grateful that she um, made the steps that she did because, like, I know I wouldn't be here fighting in Bellator, um, you know, in America right now training if it wasn't for her because there just wouldn't have been enough money in it. Um, you know, gosh, when I first started boxing, professional boxing, I made ha hardly any money. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I just think from there, um, you know, Ronda Rousey obviously – had some great fights, but she by no means was the best female fighter. Um, at the time, yes, yeah, she was. She was being very dominant. But since then, there's been some amazing female fighters that have come out and shown the world their skills. So, um, yeah, it's just put more attention on us. And, um, yeah, it's only going to get better, like I said before. Yeah, I think, and as we alluded to earlier, there's some, some incredible female fighters out there. But it, I, I feel... I almost cringe when I have to say female fighter because they're just, just fighters generally. You know, you look yeah. at Valentina Shevchenko, I mean, there aren't many fighters of, of any gender who uh, can match her skill set and her evolution. You know, when you, when you watch a fight, you know, she's so, so, so dominant over people who should trouble her on paper. Um, and well, that's the thing. She was actually, she had good, good performances at 135 in a weight division that wasn't even hers. So, um, yeah. I could imagine that she actually gives a lot of men a run for their money too. <laughs> That's not, not a bad thing. Um, uh, something else I wanted to mention, you know, with you coming from a, a background in um, in boxing and, and talking about the combat sort of uh, spectrum, I remember years ago, and I'm going back about 20 years, I remember watching um, women's kickboxing and a journalist saying that um, the great thing about women's uh, kickboxing is that he'd never seen a bad woman fight and what he, what he was alluding to was that some male fighters will hold back and they'll you know they'll they'll jab from distance to look like they're working but they'll stall and they can become boring because they're worried about you know um you know engaging sometimes and he yep. said with with female fighters is they don't they just seem to go <laughs> straight for it and it, it's kind of probably contrary to what people would expect if they didn't know the sport but um what, what would you think of that in the world of MMA is, is that the same there or, or not so? I've always joked um this is the thing like females in combat sports it's it's still predominantly a male dominant sport so for a female to choose to be a fighter rather than say someone that plays netball or dancing or you know like a, a normal female sport I, I feel like we've just got that extra little something in us, a bit of a spark of fire. So, yeah, if we get in that cage or in that ring and we fight, then, 
yeah, we want to bite down our mouth guards and go, and go for it. Like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of females, you know, some quiet ones that you wouldn't assume, like non-assuming fighters. But, yeah, there's definitely something in them. Like, I mean, we're a, a female combat athlete, we're not the normal female. Um, and there's something different inside of us, um, a different fire or something. So, And that's probably why, I think. Um, you know, whereas some men get forced into fighting or pushed in, into fighting for whatever reason, um, and they might not have that go in them. But yeah, if a female's in fighting, we choose to be there. So maybe that's maybe that's a reason. <laughs> I did read somewhere about the um, <clears throat> psychology of women in fighting, and, and it talks about the whole kind of like lioness concept or the um, you know the chimp mother um, that that women yeah. have an inherent um, um, inherent gene to uh, be aggressive relative to like motherhood. Yeah. And what you need to do yeah. is just unleash that. And it's significantly more aggressive than men. Um, whereas men will have this kind of like concept of mutually assured destruction where they'll they'll back down. Like male animals will back down, but female animals yeah. won't. Um, because they yeah. have a genetic need to protect to, to the point of death. Um, whereas men <laughs> go so far and walk away <laughs> and think, oh, it's yeah. not worth it. Whereas female animals will, will do anything to protect um, offspring. Yeah. And that's inherent genetically in in all women. You just have to tap into it. Apparently, what, what do you think of that concept? Okay. Yeah, um, that well, as a mother myself, I can definitely um, like yeah agree with that um, for sure. There's something. There's definitely something in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. As uh, on, on the school run, no, nobody better um, no parent better insult your kids on the school run. Uh, <laughs> Yes, and I've been in that situation before. <laughs> I think as parents, we all have. It's like, okay, uh, well, how do I handle yeah. it? Um, yeah, I think I, if it was you, I'd back down. I'd definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, talking about um, you know, sort of um, uh, genetics and uh, <clears throat> female fighters there for a moment. Um, one of the things I know is that as as women elevate their level in, in previously dominated sports. So if you, if you look at say like football, for example. You know, um, so and I'm talking obviously, um, you know, real football, not, not American football, <laughs> so soccer football. So as as like women um, progress to, to higher sort of levels there, you know, there's um, there's a very male sort of orientated level in the coaching and, and, and so on and the performance related stuff there. Um, is there an increasing understanding uh, of coaches when, when it gets to female athletes that there's unique challenges? I mean, we were talking um, to Olga um, about this previously. <clears throat> she was saying that um, she competed six months postpartum in her first fight. Uh, she yes. said she's, just how coincidence and dates have fallen and, and uh, hormone. She's only ever competed when she's um, been menstruating as well. And she said she found that difficult for, for, for weight cutting. And some of the genetic physiological things that aff affect women, um, are these being recognised in elite sports? I mean, they have been in female-dominated sports, but are they being recognised in, in, in male sports as far as coaching and recovery um, and S&C and nutrition are concerned? I know that my strength and conditioning coach back at home, um, I mentioned it before, me, he um, he definitely takes all that sort of stuff into consideration. Um if if you were to draw it to his attention, so um, like I know that 
he's um, sometimes I've had like questionnaires and I've had to let him know when, when my menstrual cycle is and this and that. And he'll um, program a lighter day depending on where like that sort of falls in the monthly plan. Um, but for the most part, I've always just sort of grip my teeth and 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 walk work through it. I, I know of a couple of female fighters that you know I've trained with at the time or whatever, and they're like, oh, I've got my period, I can't train today. But I've always just had that mentality that you know what, if I've got my period for a fight, I'm going to have to make weight still. I'm going to have to fight. Um, just like sometimes when you come to a training session, you're not feeling 100% or you're feeling a bit tired. I still go through the processes of training because you never know if you're going to rock up to a fight and feel like that. So um, I don't I don't tend to carry on. Like I, I like my coaches and my training partners to pretty much treat me like I'm one of the guys. Um, they they all have that mutual respect for me in the sense that like you know I don't have a guy that goes hard out on me inspiring or anything. They they all back down their their um, power and whatnot. But yeah, I just want to be one of the team. So I don't tend to carry on about my um, you know being a female. Like if I've got my period or this and that. So you know if if for some reason I'm too bad I can't train. Um, then I just don't, but that I, I don't even think that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, yeah, no, I appreciate you were trying through, and, and, and this is what Olga was yeah. saying, but I suppose what, what I was thinking there more so is completely appreciate that. Um, but I suppose what I was thinking is that when we look at things like um, uh, recovery versus performance, um, one of the things I, yeah. I sort of talk about when I'm teaching is that you have a finite capacity to recover. So you can only go to the well so many times. So if your yep. if your body's um, it, it's automatic sort of nervous system, your autonomic system is dealing with um, you know something like menstruation. So blood is being circulated mm-hmm. in one area away from another because you've only got a certain uh, volume of circulating blood. Um, yep. Are you thinking about nu- uh, additional nutrition at that time, or are you thinking about additional rest? I'm I'm, I'm sure that you're you're still training as hard and so on, but Obviously, yeah. there's, there's a flip side um, to that where you've got a counter for, for physiological change. Yeah. Do you make any allowances for that? Or? To be honest, um, no, I don't. Um, not with my menstrual cycle. I, I tend to listen to my body throughout mm. the whole month. So, like, I'll pay attention to, yeah, um, like if I'm carrying injuries or something like that, I'll, I'll address those. Or if I'm not feeling well, I might have a lighter session or whatnot. But, yeah, to be honest, um, it's actually maybe something that I probably should address because I haven't really noticed – anything different throughout my menstrual cycle but now that you've actually addressed it I probably will notice something next time that I might be feeling a little bit flatter or um but yeah I've never actually changed um my diet as in having to um like yeah allow for that but that's really interesting so yeah no one's actually brought that to my attention so to go back to your original question I guess no (laughs) but I'm sure actually um like the fight dietitian that I work with I know that he would 100% address that because he's very, very thorough. But um, the, I've been lucky that my fight camps and cutting weight haven't been – there's only been one time that I've had my period on, um, like, fight week, and that was before I was working with him. But, yeah, going into a fight week now, if it was to happen to be on that date, um, like, for those few days, it would be something that he would definitely take into consideration. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've um, – I don't really fluctuate in weight during that time either. Um, but then weight's never really an issue of mine, though, because I'm always sort of very on top of it. Yeah, that's great. It's something that if you haven't looked at, it's, it's worth sort of entertaining the idea. Whether, whether you go with it or not is another matter, but it's worth entertaining the idea because it, it, it seems a very um, 
very hot topic these days in uh, high-end performance in in sport mm -hmm. something that a lot of um you know <clears throat> sports physiologists and sports physicians are are really uh, investigating um particularly when we look at the, the transition um into male-dominated sports so so definitely take take a look at that because with any sport yeah. you can gain even half a percent on what you've got before oh it's worth something definitely um, yep okay so. thank you but i will <laughs> <laughs> no worries <laughs> give that a go um and i, I think that yeah, that, I think that's that's all I, I really um, really got to, got to ask you. Really, I probably one more thing I'll throw in, just for an Australian perspective. There, uh, again, something that that came to my attention a few years ago. I remember, um, you know, I mean, um, I remember seeing uh, an interview with a um, sports analyst, and obviously Australia is known for its passion about sports. And um, being a Brit, obviously we've we've fallen foul of the Australians numerous times in, in various sports. And um, Australia was one of the first countries to come up with an institute of sport where mm -hmm. uh, I really, you know, took the time and effort to analyse everything. And obviously every other country's followed suit. And, um, and you know, I, I, I teach for the English Institute of Sport and so on. But we, we were always so far behind the Australians and hopefully we've levelled it up now. But the point I wanted to make was that uh, this analyst was talking about the Australians and he said, the worst thing you could do to an Australian is beat them. Because what they'll do is they'll just go away, they'll restructure, they'll rebuild, they'll regroup, and they'll come back completely different. Whereas other countries <laughs> tend to just just come back again. Like Brits will just come back and do the same thing again, but a bit harder. Um, what would you yeah. make of that? Is is that still the mentality in Australian sport to completely restructure? Like in the past, they did with cricket and so on, and come back and do something different. Yeah, well, I know they recently did that, and the only reason I know it's from football or well, soccer, I'm not sure. You'd call it football in the UK as well, because um, my partner and my son both play it. Um, but yeah, this is the thing. I don't know if it's always um, the best mentality to have. Like, I mean, it's the same in the fight world, for example. If I was to, um, you know, have the coaches here at Jackson Week and I, I go into fight camp and then I then I lose my fight, does that mean that I go and scrap them as coaches? Like, it's um, sometimes you just have to analyse the performance itself. Maybe it doesn't need to be broken down. But um, to touch base on the whole Australian thing, yeah, we are sore losers. We definitely don't like losing. And there's a few countries in the world that we um, we definitely don't like losing to, and that would have to be England and New yeah. Zealand. We have a great rivalry with New Zealand. And it's funny because we're the Anzacs, like, you know, um, yeah, yeah. we're the closest. But, yeah, when it comes to sport, oh, my God, there's rivalry there. Um, but, yeah, so – is uh, touching base on the um, like the Institute of Sport. I remember I was there. Oh gosh, it was over ten years ago now, and um, it was leading up to the 2012 London Olympics. So it was must have been 2009, 2010. Um, and we were there, and I was in the recovery pool, and we had Team New Zealand and Team Brazil, um, the boxing teams there, and we were all doing recovery after a comp sparring day. And the Brazilian girl said to us, she's like all these facilities, she goes, it's amazing. She goes, how do you ever lose to us in sport? <laughs> like, and it's true. Um, so the fact that, yeah, we do have all these amazing, um, like we, we've got great coaches, great facilities and this and that, but, you know, it's not necessarily the be all and end all and that's not what, what brings championships or gold medals and that. So um, I've always remembered that comment from her because it's, it's very true. But um, 
Yeah. I'm not too sure if we do a restructure on everything if uh, if we do lose. I, I dare say we do go back to the drawing board and analyse everything. Um, not necessarily sure if they restructure. I don't I don't get amongst all of that sort of side of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that the, the other thing the analyst commented was, um, God help the rest of the world if the Australians ever take football seriously. Um, but uh, luckily, you, they've never taken it that seriously compared to other sports so far. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Ali, thank you so much for your time. That was, um, that was great. I um, really appreciate your answers and you, you taking that time out to, uh, to, to speak no to No worries at all. Thank you so much. Thank you very I was, much. I was enjoying right. that. Just, just before yeah. we sign off, Arlene, I know you're uh, quite active on the socials, so do you just want to give those a plug? Uh, where can our listeners find you, um, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, anything else? You know what? I downloaded TikTok and I was gonna get in amongst it, but I just was like, you know what? That's not for me. So that that app went out the door. Instagram <laughs> is probably where I'm the, the busiest because um, yeah, everything that I sort of post on Instagram will feed across to my athlete page on Facebook. But um, for Instagram, it's um, the Aussie Girl Angerfist. So the underscore Angerfist, the Aussie Girl Angerfist. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, if you fans want to reach out to me on instagram i always try to make um the effort to reply back to everybody and um yeah always thank the fans and followers because i do have a great bunch of them following me that's great and well as we touched on earlier hopefully there's the opportunity to fight out in sydney that would be great and um can maybe meet a lot of these fans as well yeah all definitely but um for the next one it's definitely here in america so <laughs> Look, look forward to One seeing it. One part at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Take care.